Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Life in the Pit, episode 74. And also, uh, welcome back. It's been a couple of months, at least, since uh, we last had a podcast episode. And um, I did enjoy my time off, but it's also good to be back with you. And um, just a few things about Life in the Pit going forward that I'll go ahead and mention. As I said on episode 73, the episodes that are out there right now are not going anywhere. And there's, there's a lot of, uh, really a lot of content for this very niche subject. Um, but also, I, I'm still going to be recording new episodes. But I don't think that I can commit to telling you how often that will be. It'll probably, on the average, be about once a month. And there may be there may be some months I get in two. There may be some months that I don't get in any. Um, I will try to always let you know, you know, several days in advance on uh, our Instagram and Facebook pages for sure when there will be a another episode. Um, a large reason for that. I mean, there's actually several reasons for that, but one big reason is something I'm probably going to talk more about on the next episode of the podcast, but that is that I am developing a new podcast. All I'll say right now is that I'm I'm very excited about the new podcast and um, that it will be a little bit more broad than than this one. It will not just be talking about something as, as kind of niche as pit musicians, but it will be music related and it's one that I think most of you will enjoy. So I'll be giving you more information about that next week and uh, and also there'll be more information to follow after that. Something that I probably won't launch until January. Uh, I'm trying to take a, uh, you know, a good bit of time to, to develop it before the first episodes launch. Um, but I will also say, you know, that once it does launch, I don't have any immediate plans to discontinue life in the pit. Uh, if anything, this will become more niche than, than it has been. And actually like looking ahead next week, we're going to have a guest that's not um, solely a pit musician. She has a topic that will affect pit musicians, but uh, but it's the type of episode that once um, once my new podcast launches, that one would go there. The type of episode we have today, though, is the kind that will stay on Life in the Pit, and that is we are talking about the pit. We are talking about pit musicians, and my guest today is Marcy Shago, who has played. Um, keyboard or music directed or both for at least a dozen theaters in the D.C. Maryland area and uh, she's also the resident music director for the Free Range Humans which is a professional adult immersive theater company in Frederick, Maryland. She's been there since uh, 2018. Uh, She has a, a ton of ongoing projects but the one that we're going to talk the most about today is that she is the managing director, board president, and music mentor and supervisor for the Free Theater, which is a student-led theater company in Silver Spring, Maryland. And it's something that she started also in 2018. And I thought that would be a fascinating thing to talk about because she is a music director, she is a keyboardist, but she also is experiencing the side on the admin side of a theater and running it and can give, I think, most of us who don't know anything about it an insight into what goes into decisions such as how much to pay the musicians, uh, how you know which shows have a pit and which shows don't. These are questions that Marcy can help answer for us because she's had to ask them many times herself. So without any further delay, here's my conversation with Marcy Shago. It's my pleasure today to be chatting with Marcy Shago. Marcy, thank you for chatting with me today. How are you today? I'm doing okay. It's, it's a it's a lovely day. Yes, and and uh, well, let's just start with that. Where where are you located? And uh, like, did you grow up there, or did you move from somewhere else? I am located in Germantown, Maryland, mm-hmm. which is about 
half an hour out of out of DC, uh, <laughs> north of DC. And I I was born in New Jersey, right outside of New York. Uh, moved here when I was ten to this area, and have kind of stayed in the same. I don't know, thirty miles. Uh, going to college at University of Maryland, and just stayed in the same area. When when I got married, I we moved a little bit north of where I grew up, and uh, have stayed here ever since. Right. And I and I just found out the other day that Germantown is the second most diverse country in the most diverse city in the country. Right. Wow. Behind Jersey City. <laughs> oh, that's 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 interesting. Now I've been to DC uh, probably at least four or five times and mm. it's it sounds to me like if you live anywhere I guess between I don't know, um not Richmond and what's the What's the town on ninety five? Is it Fredericksburg? It's like if you're like yeah, if you're like Fredericksburg, North Virginia, or like anywhere along like I sixty four or eighty one. I can't remember which one it is. And or, <laughs> or if you're in Maryland where there's not mountains, you're pretty much considered to be the D.C. area. <laughs> is would that be kind of accurate? <laughs> yeah, it's, I think we we are we have a um four ninety five goes around. Yeah. DC. Right. So anything kind of like spoking off of 495 or right. on 95 between like, I, I, you start getting into Baltimore as you get yeah. higher up. But I'm I'm further from 95, but off a spoke off of 495. Right. Nice. So it's where it's it has a pretty big reach. I, I can right. I've driven to Fredericksburg. It's about an hour and a half from where I live. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess it stretches about two hours either direction. Yeah. Probably my guess. Yeah, but I hear like the the Northern Virginia, Maryland, DC area, and um, actually, as far as getting around, um, I can't think mm. of any anywhere I, I'm more eager to use public transit than DC. It's like every time I use the metro, it's just you know. Of course, it's been a while, so you know things change. But I, I've always enjoyed the experience. You know, I always thought it was you know just a very good system. You can get you can get anywhere and. Yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's it's not the most safe place. Right. Other times it's just in certain areas it's fine. In certain areas, you kind of don't want to go that that direction. But right, people you know people live throughout the entire area, so the metro right. is a really good way to get around, especially to see theater because there's so much theater downtown in DC that there's no parking. Right. So if you want to go see a show, you've got to hop on the metro, hop on a trolley, take an Uber. You know, there's a lot of right. And, uh, you know, the, the first time I took my wife there, we fe- we discovered a few things. First of all, Sunday morning is a great time to tour D.C. It's like there's hardly any traffic out. <laughs> and most Bye. things are still open. You know, it's like we didn't have to wait on anything. Um, the one place we wanted to go to that there wasn't a metro stop, re- you know, reasonably close by was the Kennedy Center. But every 15 minutes, they have a free shuttle going from that stop you know so <laughs> that whole area like yeah. the whole georgetown area which is a wonderful vibrant shopping mm-hmm. theater uh restaurant area there's no direct access to metro so yeah you have to you can walk it i mean i've walked it going you stop at like foggy bottom and you walk the half a mile or whatever it is it's it's not it's not too far to walk it's just not right. that's not my favorite walk <laughs> but you can do it right um, so I do want to come back and get some biographical information in just a moment, but uh, you know, since we're talking about the D.C. area, what would you be your general impression of theater in the D.C. area? DC, it's, it is an extremely vibrant community. There are so many different variations of and levels of theater, So, mm-hmm. and I've worked in most of them, I guess there's you've got you know regional theater, you've got profet and professional theater, you've got small the- small independent um, kind of indie theaters that are that are doing experimental work and doing some really cool uh, improv and black box uh, new works and lots right. of different creations. You've got youth theater where you've got um, teenagers that are doing anything from you know community theater to professional level theater. Uh, musicals, dramas, comedies, right. improv. Um, there's a, there's a ton of community theaters. So, like, if you if you wanted, if somebody was new to the area, I would refer them to different community theaters and say touch base with those places. Um, and a lot of times, it, it, it used to be a long time ago that 
you because I, I grew up in this area doing theater mm-hmm. and it used to be that you identified with a community theater that's where you kind of were you did all your shows there but uh with actors be, you know transportation being better and um and shows being so varied you've got people that are not staying at one theater they're working right. in so many theaters so you've you know, I'll, I'll be in I'll be working in in one theater uh, a little bit north of me and then working with the same person down in northern Virginia a mm-hmm. week later or right. uh, there's the colleges the community colleges have theater um, all of the high schools <laughs> every high school has has a theater program which mm-hmm. is amazing um I'm not, I'm not sure I know Northern Virginia and Maryland definitely. DC, there's a lot of there's some th- some that have theaters, some that don't, depending on resources. Um, but and and there's cabarets going up constantly, and and uh, theater. I there's a really awesome theater called Monumental Theater, which is millennials basically. They it was formed by twenty uh, somethings, and that's mm. only that's where their core group is, and they put on professional theater, paid paid theater, so. Um, and then you've got signature theater and only theater and you've got dinner theater. It's, you can get a job anywhere, but you know, it, there's, there's always somewhere to go see theater at least. Well, that's nice to put it in perspective of the entire area. I, I have heard before and, and, you know, and again, things change, but I have heard in the past that DC itself has quite a wide range between like what a pit musician can expect to make you know, monetarily like you you've got a few professional <laughs> that pay well you know obviously they probably show at like Ford's theater and you know and maybe Kennedy Center but everywhere else was kind of a you know step above volunteer and so you know we might come back to that but yeah <laughs> yeah for sure that's that's the issue there's so many mm-hmm. There's such a variety. And when I, I help people find musicians, people I have been working here mm-hmm. for so long that I know a lot of musicians and people and played a lot of pits and and with different people. So right. um and friends of mine know that. So they they call me or they say, Do you know a guitarist? Do you know a drummer? Do you know? And I say the first thing I ask is, What are you paying? Right. And they're like, well, why would you ask that? I said, Because I've got people that will work for nothing that just want to do it because they love it and it's a side job and it's something fun. Mm-hmm. And I've got people that We'll turn down a job if it's under a hundred dollars a service. So, right. and not that that and, and every all of them deserve the money. All of them are yeah. professionals. All of them work hard. All of them have you know, some have more skills than others. Some have more training than others. Mm-hmm. They all deserve to be paid. But yes, uh, but theaters are just not. It's it's it really depends on budget. I'm learning I'm learning so much about that. Right. <laughs> so. Exactly. <laughs> Right, and and we'll come back to that. So, uh, you know, for um, Life in the Pit listeners, if uh, if your voice sounds at all familiar, you you have been a past sort of well, not well. I think it was enough not to call you just a cameo guest, but you were one of our participants in the Ask the Director of Music series oh, that right. yeah. that we had back in. Oh gosh, it was. I think it was like Christmas, New Year, going from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one or something like that. So, You're right, and, yeah. and that was very helpful. I, I think most of the the questions came from about four different people. One of them who asked about nine questions, <laughs> and and he knows who he is. But <laughs> I thought they were all very good questions, and I, I enjoyed hearing just the variety of answers. You know, so uh, yeah, so uh, those are still those are still on the scroll for. I think Apple and Spotify, all the podcast platforms. I would encourage oh. anybody to come to just scroll back through and find those if you want to check those out. Um, but let's talk about you. So, how did you get? Uh, you know, how did you get started in music? And at what point did you decide that this was something you wanted to do professionally? Um, it, it's an interesting story. It's kind of lots of twists and turns, but I'll do the short version. Okay. Uh, I started studying music when I was seven, I think. I started playing piano, and I just loved it. It just was something I did. But I discovered, you know, later in life, one of the things that I had going for me in terms of an accompanist or music director was that I could sight-read anything. Mm -hmm. So I could, I didn't find it hard to learn a piece. I I can't memorize things. I'm not real good at that. But Mm -hmm. I am good at sight-reading whatever's put in front of me. So, and I just love theater. My, My family's always been, my my dad is has done uh, community theater and, and managed theaters for 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 years, uh, just as a side fun thing to do. So, 
I, I started just kind of, I was around theater all the time. Mm-hmm. And so as I, as I went through, I, I, I actually played for my fourth, my second grade play when I was, wow. I played for a, I, I played for a, a, the standard uh, little dances for thanks, a Thanksgiving play. I ended up playing for Hansel and Gretel. And I just was, I played piano for whatever teachers re- realized that I could play and I would just play. So at nine and at you know, seven and nine and, you know, whatever, I started playing piano for school, my, my school. And then as I got older and I started doing some more in middle school and talent shows and whatever, I, uh, my brothers became actors. And so as they got into more things, the family got into more things. Mm. And so I was asked to play for a community theater show in a pit when I was 13 because they were they were doing uh, they were the leads in Oliver mm-hmm. um, at, a local, at Rockville Community Rockville Music Theater sorry right. and so and it that had just it's a, it's a, it's gonna that theater celebrating fifty years shortly so we started working in Rockville Music Theater as a family mm-hmm. so all of us kind of and I was the one in the pit kind of playing I playing piano for rehearsals playing piano for people that wanted to practice a song or whatever um, at the age of 13 and as i started to get more involved i pl- ended up a fine i was a very shy person so piano was like the place i hid behind it was great right. um, and but i worked up the courage to ask my high school drama teacher if i could play in the pit at my high school and that's where i started so i ended up nice. being the person that played in the pit and then um being mentored by some incredible, incredible people that gave me chances to do things that the average high school student wouldn't be able to do. They recommended me for, for gigs and for jobs. And so I started playing for, you know, cabarets when I was 17 and like just started getting involved. But the interesting thing is I went away to college. Well, away. I went to University of Maryland. Mm -hmm. I wanted to study music. I didn't. Um, I, I really wanted to go to Berkeley school of music in in boston and i i don't i still don't remember why i didn't apply or it probably money money related or whatever um because they actually it was the only place in the country at the time that i knew of as a kid that offered musical theater a company right the only place that i could get that degree and i didn't go so i went to maryland i studied random i studied computers i studied communication um and then I uh, worked up the courage to approach the college uh, drama department that mm-hmm. my brother was in, and you know, and things. And I and they were like, "Sure, uh, we can't, we can't put you in the pit because we have grad students playing, but you could be on stage on in the cabaret Kit Kat Club band." Oh, okay. <laughs> so, me not being the actor, not wanting to be on stage, was up on a platform in the middle of the stage in an right. orange boa and playing the band um and it kind of went on from there but one i i didn't study the music i didn't study music i tried i i actually didn't do well at piano in my because they wanted me to play jazz piano i'm not a jazz pianist right um that was all they offered so i ended up um coming out of college and going into the workforce as a as an editor as a graphic designer did a bunch of different things and i found my way back Right. to it so i still played piano for like random community theaters as i had time but working nine to five job and you know it was it was a lot um but i started finding my way back and playing for some community theater playing for some friends stepping in and um when i had my first kid who's now 25 um i quit my job mm-hmm. and i was like what do i want to do and she or they um ended up going to a Gymboree class. And I was like, okay, I'll take you to Gymboree. And when I was there, I went, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I, I can teach it. So I ended up, that started like 20 years of me teaching music and right. to children and um, and teaching instruments and, to, and just taking that. And as I got to the point where my kids both went off to elementary school, I went, I want to do this again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is what I want to do. And I started searching out places where I could play and I um, kind of went full circle back to doing it full time. So I've now I'm back at I, I went just playing 
professional theater and playing community and playing whatever I could play cabarets for people and making money at music directing, which, and playing, which was my, my true passion that I had stopped. Right. So, and so I, I came back to it, but now I'm in a situation where I'm much, I'm more focused on back to the educational aspect of it. Right. And, um, music directing, but training music directors, which is something that I, I feel I, I, I'm training high school music directors as kind of giving back to where I where I started and right. um, giving them the opportunity to to learn. And they're going on and doing things. And so I feel like, okay, I found where I'm supposed to be. Right. <laughs> but it's, you know, through several careers and children and, you know, and right. everything like that. But um, I think you always have, if you have that passion in you, it's going to you can't help but come back to it, right? That's that's true. Um, you know, I was just thinking, you know, about your story about what you know, not having a chance to study music, and and I was as you were doing that, I was thinking about, uh, you know, there are questions that I've asked of new pit musicians, and also when people that I know are recommending new pit musicians, and I and I do ask quite a, a few questions, but I've never once asked. Uh, where did they study music? You know, like what, what's their degree in? You know, it's like, it, I, I think when you're in school, you might make a bigger deal out of, out of that than you think. I, I mean, it kind of, kind of rubs me, rubs me the wrong way when I'm around people and they want to talk about their master degree, master's degree in, in theater or in music or something like that. And, and I'm like, well, that, that's fine. But what have you done for work and are you reliable and can you play well and you know those are the things that are more important and and they told me that you know I studied film scoring uh, for my master's degree and um, they were pretty clear pretty you know early on nobody in Hollywood will ever ask about your degree <laughs> well and that's that's the tough part yeah. I, I see I look at job listings sometimes now and yeah. it says must have a, a bachelor's in music must have a master's in music hmm. and I look at the pay that they're offering for that degree, right, min- a minimum wage or higher, a little higher. Oh, yeah. But I also think about the fact that 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 the, a lot of people that uh, most of the people that I I've met that have those degrees, mm-hmm. they've got talent. They may not have talent. They may not have the skill needed for a specific job, like you said. Right. Or as somebody might have an incredible degree and they can play, um, you know, beautiful concertos and 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 be able to sight read classical music but they but when you come down to putting them in front of singers Mm -hmm. they don't they don't have that same skill not some of them do some of them don't yeah i find that experience means something you know study certain depending on what you study and who you study with means something yeah um but all of it contributes to you being able to do a job. So you're right. right. I, you know, I don't know. I may not know all of the terminology needed right. to explain something, but I, I know personally how to uh, communicate yeah. an idea right. of how I want something to sound. So I, I can't tell a, a, a singer from a pedagogical standpoint right. how to do something, but I can describe the how the body mechanics can contribute to how they are singing. Well, your your qualifications to me would be in this, uh, you know, fa- fairly small print CV of all the shows that you've done, you know, over the past few decades, you know. So, t- to me, that would be all I need to know. It's like because if I was concerned, I could go, I could probably, you know, call these theaters and 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 I would know that I would get positive response because you've done several shows with the same theater and they wouldn't keep asking you back (laughs) you know so to to me that's your more the the most powerful tool for your pit musician is to get all the experience you can and make good impressions while you do it you know and that's the most important thing i think um i when i was doing uh, during during the pandemic the height of the pandemic and i my company couldn't do shows the, the, the free theater and so we did um we we did a Zoom sixteen week workshop, and I chose to do a music director workshop, and I taught six kids. But what the cool part is, is I went on the theater music director and professional music director Facebook page that we right frequent, um, and I just asked if there was anybody willing to come talk to them on mm-hmm. Zoom, so it could be from anywhere. And I got 
16 different people mm. from all over the world, from all different types of music directing and pit work to talk to my kids. But the, what was interesting is they all had wonderful things to impart, but the most, the thread that ran through it and the kids told me afterwards what they got from mm. all of these people was kindness, be the kindest person in the room, be the person that is willing to help and support and build relationships and communicate, be that person. Mm. And the skill is secondary. Like if you can be that person, then you can make, you can make the magic happen. You can make it work. Right. But if you can't be kind, you're not being asked back. So you can't change the world. You know, you can't make a difference because you're not, your, your eyes are not open to what else is in the room. And I think the fact that my kids took that away from 16 different people, um, And that was the thread that they all talked about was being willing to communicate and work together and listen. Um, And so to me, that's the most important part. Like you said, you're going to be asked back to do more work, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to be asked back if you create a toxic environment. So it's that, that I think is the key overall. Right. Um, you mentioned the free theater, so I thought that'd be a good next thing to talk about. So at some point, it looks like around what, 2018, you decided to start your own company. So, um, talk about what kind of what what led to that decision and what are just, what were some challenges in getting that started? Well, it was an interesting, it was an interesting time that I was part of a, a, a group of people that actually was starting, wanting to start it. Um, we came out of another company that was, that was disbanding and we had 11 senior kids mm-hmm. in the company who, or they were becoming seniors and they were upset that they were not right. going to, wanted to have senior theater. So they said, so the kids talked and said, what can we do? And, um, and there were several adults in the mix and we said, what do you want to do? And they want to have a theater company. Okay. Um, this particular group of kids had a lot of resources. They went to a lot of the, the wealthier schools in the, in the area mm-hmm. and they had a lot of resources um, through their parents, through friends, through family to help build, to start something. So mm-hmm. we started something and I was the adult in the room playing music. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was another, it was a small board of directors that, that helped to support it. But I was the one in the room with the kids all right. the time. We met once a week. We built, we started doing Mama Mia was the show we did. We had, we, we had connections. We had ways to do this. And we wanted to create th- these kids as they talked, started to talk about, they want to create theater that is accessible, that we have a lot of pay to play mm-hmm. in this area. A lot. Right. Um, some of them are, they offer scholarships. They're wonderful companies. I, I I've, participated in many of their of the work and i and i think that they're wonderful um but we didn't have a place that kids could go tuition free and be the people at the helm of the collaborative of the of the creative effort so letting the kids do the work so we started out a year went by uh the person that was in charge said this isn't working they're not getting they're not doing what they're supposed to do and i disagreed and Mm. said I think they just need some training. So can we provide training and build them up? And the the people that I was working with said, absolutely not. And I said, I believe in this. And they, um, through a series of events, it ended up in my lap. So mm-hmm. they said, you think you can do it? Do it. And I'm like, I know I can do it. So, right. um, and four years later, I've got, um, I still have a, we had 50, 50 people audition. Um, we and we did we started training them right at that point and like with people from the area that are uh, in the business directors and choreographers uh and music directors and um musicians uh lighting sound tech people all came and said i want to help and they came in and they started um, helping us to build the program by training the kids and saying, mm-hmm. let's do an intensive. I'm going to teach you. And then they stayed on as mentors. So we pay them as teachers. Um, and then they come on as mentors as on a volunteer basis. So they can be accessed at any point by these kids who can call and say, Hey, I need to set up a rehearsal. I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And they will walk them through or they'll come in and they'll help. But uh, yesterday we started Footloose. It was our, it was our eighth show. Mm. Um, 
And I have 16 leaders that have been trained in lighting design, sound design, scenic design, directing, choreographer, choreography, um, you name it. It's, it's all, they do the work. Right. And so they are, they have to create presentations. They have to apply for the job mm-hmm. and they have to do presentations based on what their vision is and how they're, how they're going to implement things and how they're going to work with a budget of zero <laughs> and yes. um, that kind of thing. Like where they, where can they source costumes? Where can they source props? Um, and we're very fortunate to have the connections that we have through, through, through my, my colleagues and friends and through our production managers, colleagues and friends and our old production manager and our board. And we have a lot of resources to bring to the kids to support them, but they're doing the work. So my job is to be there every Sunday. I'm playing, I play the piano cause I don't have anybody at that level of being able mm-hmm. to accompany a rehearsal yet, but I'm not the music director. The music right. director is a 17 year old, um, high school girl who is, who I've taught. So she's doing all of the prep work and all the organization, and all the teaching. So, um, and I did a a specific leadership training course for them this summer, like a, like a retreat. And we talked about teams and collaboration and creativity and kindness and all the things that go into being listening, being into a a good leader. And they're all the ones in charge. Um, What's nice about it is I, I feel really strongly about it because uh it is tuition free. We don't charge for anything, um, which is hard, <laughs> which, right. which means our the money coming in is we're, we completely exist on grants, donations. Um, mm-hmm. I write all the grants, right? which a whole other, you know, hat that I've, I've never written grants before. And I started grant writing um, and I've gotten money like, you know, bits and pieces here and there. We do fun, you know, GoFundMes and um, and all kinds of things. We do cabarets where we ask for donations and then ticket sales, which um, are the, is the smallest amount right now because we just audiences are tough. Right. So um, we we we've survived uh, this this year. We're we're a little down on money, so mm-hmm. I, I put in for three grants. I'm waiting on, but uh, each year I just I you know I cross my fingers and I say, but there's a reason that this is in place. There's a reason that I believe so much in this program. I watch these kids. Um, the last show we did was completely student run hundred percent. I had students in the pit. I, had, I hired, I paid, um, I paid high school students to play in a pit. Um, mm-hmm. and they were, they rose to the occasion. All, everyone in the, the people, the kids built the set, the killed, the kids sourced the costumes and the created the props or, or sourced the props. Um, and thankfully, I have an art center, Black Rock Center for the Arts, right up the road from me that right. is willing to, we, we always have to find a place and pay the money for rehearsals and, and performances. Um, and we've had some great people, but Black Rock has came to me and said, we want you here and gave me a deal that I couldn't refuse. So we are in a beautiful theater space, rehearsing on the stage mm-hmm. where we're going to perform. Um and in a black box theater and uh, and just do it, you know, helping us every step of the way, which is I'm so incredibly grateful for uh, each each. We've had some wonderful people, but I think I couldn't do it without the resources of our area. Like, I don't think I could do this yeah. in an area that's not creatively theater arts driven. It's, right. this, this is a very vibrant arts area. So I have access. I can call. Um, I had uh, Nova Payton, who is a, an incredible, incredible uh, local. Well, I guess she's regional, but uh, and she travels all over. But she's an incredible artist in this area. Mm-hmm. She's starring Color Purple at Signature right now and just blowing the roof off. The she's an incredible voice. But she came and did a masterclass and mm-hmm. volunteered her time. So it's like there's local talent that's coming in that's helping us, like like Nova. Um, but the kids see the potential of being able to to do theater professionally. Right. And some of them will do it and some of them will go study in college. And some of it are just like, it's just like, this is just my, my people. I just want to be here and yeah. I'm going to study business, you know? Right. Um, 
but we but what's great is because of the diversity in this area, the socioeconomic diversity, the um, the racial diversity, the, the just just everything in this area, being able to provide a service that lets kids come in no matter what. Um, right. You know, and they have to audition. They have to fill out applications and the whole thing. But um, we find a place whether they're the person, you know, they may be somebody that does the photography or the marketing, our whole marketing team is students. Hmm. Um, so they do all the work except for, I, I, I'm president of the board as well. Cause that's where I fell into it. Right. <laughs> but, um, and managing director and music, music supervisor. But I, having all those hats creates a, a, a bigger picture for me in terms of how to, the company needs to run. And, right. um, well, that's as much as I, and off. <laughs> that, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, you mentioned grant writing and and you, you mentioned quite a few things. What would you say are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned from this whole experience that maybe has transformed how you feel as a music director and pit musician in other situations? Um, the biggest lesson, I guess, um, patience, flexibility. Right. Communication. <laughs> um I've learned how to how to articulate what I what I want mm-hmm. in order in in order to get what we need. I mean, it's um, I, I've learned I, I've I think I've also learned how to draw on resources mm-hmm. and who to talk to. Um, and like I talked about before, like being being the shy child, you right. know, and and coming in and having music and theater be my be the thing that pushed me to have a voice, I guess, in right. a lot of ways. Um, I, I just, I feel like I've, I've just learned to be resourceful, mm-hmm. um, to, to not shy away from opportunity. Right. Um, you know, when someone, when someone starts talking to me about, uh, about wanting to support the arts and I'm like, I've got stuff you can, right. <laughs> I've got some great opportunities for you. Um, but I'm not. I, I I am somebody who doesn't like to ask for money. Like I get, yeah. I like I get really nervous. So I've learned how to use how to use my voice to ask for like with the grants. Right. Is I'm not a grant writer. I never learned how to be a grant writer. I took some some courses through some of the places that offer grants, and I started to write. And I said, I remember writing my first grant, and it was a bit. It was a big one. It was like a twenty page project right financial i also have to do the treasury stuff right now so i'm in charge of the money too <laughs> so right. i had to take like figure out how to write a profit and loss statement and mm-hmm. you know and take all of that add it to a narrative add it to a, a the budget and add it to, you know everything um and all the marketing and put it all together into a package and turn it in and i gave it to a friend who writes grants and i said can you look it over and she looked it over and she says you're missing something i'm like what? I've got 20 pages of stuff here. And she went, you're missing the heart. Like you're missing the part where you are passionate about it and you are passionate about it. And I'm like, so I went back and rewrote the narrative from the point of view of being passionate about it, which I am and um, Mm -hmm. did not get the grant, but I had all the info in there. Right. (laughs) So it was a a good practice. I've gotten all my other grants I've I've been able to do, which is really helpful. But that was a good practice for understanding how to impart what I wanted, I guess. Well, I would also think that, you know, your experience has given you kind of insight that I think a lot of music directors don't get the opportunity to experience. And that's just on, you know, the other side of the curtain when it comes to administration. It's like, I think most music directors know you get this certain budget, um, you know, here, here's the, here's where you can see what, how many instruments you, you need for the show and, and, and all that. And, you know, you may be self-sufficient as far as contracting, you may be hiring the musicians and, and, you know, on behalf of the theater and all that, but it's terms of like how boards determine budget, um, just also like all the other roles that go on, uh, from stage managing to directing, it seems like you've had an inside look at that and uh we you also participated in the conversation you know earlier this year um on one of the facebook groups you mentioned just talking about theater 
you know, the rates that theater musicians get, especially if it's not a union paying gig. And what are some insights you've learned from being someone who has to pay the musicians, you know, of kind of realities of, of, I guess, amateur theater. We'll just say that for starter. Yeah. Uh, I guess the reality is that you have a certain amount of money. Right. (laughs) And it's like, or you don't. Like, at this point, you know, I have a certain amount of money, but I don't have the money for the next show. So, you know, I'm waiting on money for that. Um, Hopefully, you know, with my grants will come through. But I look at that and go, I have to take that amount of money and split it up between all of the categories. And it's pretty cut and dry when you look at it. I mean, I know some places are more complicated than others, but... You know, you need a performance space, you need a rehearsal space, you need to pay your, uh, uh, you pay any staff that is working. Um, There's only, in my company, there's two staff and I'm one of them, but I, um, when times get tight, I take, I cut my salary off and Mm. I pay my other staff because it's just how it is. Right. <laughs> I either, you know, either I buy, I pay for things or I don't. So um, I can thankfully afford, I'm not the sole breadwinner of my family, so I can afford to mm. forego it for a couple months if I have to. Right. Um, so you, and you have, you have to buy, like, uh, you have to buy insurance and you have to have, there's some admin costs associated with, you know, Zoom subscriptions and, yeah. um, and if you have to make copies of things for, for students, uh, or I have, we're like, we bought t-shirts, but that, that was a donation, I think. So that doesn't really count, but there's, mm-hmm. there's categories and the categories are, are, are pretty much the same across the board for most theaters. So what you have to pay and you, an orchestra being one of them. Um, I feel very strongly about making sure that that number stays at a good point, but I look at the rest of it and I, I say, well, this year our cost, our costume budget is zero mm. because I know that I have three different places that are willing to loan us costumes and we yeah. can borrow without cost. So the kids come and say, um, what's our costume budget? What can I go buy? And I'm like, here are your three, here are your three places. You can get everything from those three places. Um, our props budget also zero. Um, but I've, what I've, the whole point is when I go through my rehearsal space is the minimum that I could possibly make it. Like I, yeah. I have cut that down and it has cut down because we have this new the Black Rock, which is awesome. Our performance space, you know, that is the most expensive, I think. But mm-hmm. thankfully, again, we have a really amazing um, partnership right now. So um, those numbers I took down to the nth degree. So when I look at the budget, mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, $3,000. It, it, it's like 2592 because I know exactly what it is or right. whatever. So I can, I whittle it all down and I'm trying to keep it, I, I, I try to keep it to about 18000 a show, which is not a lot of money to yeah. put on a show. Right. The rights are the rights. Yes. That's, I think, actually, that's our biggest expense right now are the rights. There's right. no cutting that, right? So I've got the rights, I've got the space for rehearsal and the space for performance. That eats up 90% of my budget. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing you can do about that. Like, that's just the cost of putting on a show. Um, mm-hmm. And those are at minimum, I mean, other than the rights, the others are at minimum levels. And then I'm like, okay, scenic budget, we have some wood yeah. <laughs> in the shop. Like, we're going to make sort make use of that. Um, let's look at what we've got. And I've got wonderful mentors who are like, oh, so-and-so is having a, a sale. I think they're willing to donate. Mm-hmm. a bunch of wood. Great, let's go get it, you know, or hope right. we go to Home Depot and get 20 bucks of wood or whatever. Um, or not 20 bucks, but you know, but I, I look at that and go keep our scenic costs have to, you know, I give them a tiny bit of tiny budget. So everyone's got a tiny budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes down to it, the three top costs, there's nothing I can do. That's what they are. They just are they what they are. So I know that. And that's a, from my administrative point of view. I'm not going to bargain down the rights cost. It's just not going to happen. Right. I can bargain the rest, but then the um, so but the orchestra to me is important to pay. And if I'm bringing professionals in, they're going to get paid. Uh, when I have a mix of professionals and students, I pay them all. My right. goal in the long run is to do a pit training class, hmm. a training workshop for students. Hopefully this spring. It, it's been in the works for a while, but then COVID killed it um (laughs) nobody's playing instruments you know it was like that was it but um i did a lot of i have done a lot of subbing music 
class subbing in the local school system and have met a lot of student musicians. Right. I'm friends, I, I run a Facebook group for music teachers and subs for Montgomery County. Mm. So I have access to teachers and I have access to, to students through the teachers. And we, you know, we talk all the time about, about students being at a really amazing level. They play every day. Some of these kids are extreme talents that are going to study music, but now they could play it. They could play a pit. Like they could come in and play. Um, I have a, a student who's playing, um, who's a, a reed doubler who can, if I'm a, a school in Virginia, who's going to play in my next show, he plays five instruments. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's rare. Right. Yeah. But, um, but I have this. So I know people that know people that know people bring right. them all together and I'm hoping to have a pit training. So they become part of the company and then I don't necessarily have to pay them because they're, it's part of the learning. It's part of the, the learning experience and they get basically free training and then they're the, the end goal is the show. Um, but because I'm not doing that right now, I am paying them at a decent price, but so when I look at the budget, we are talking about like I look at the budget and I'm like I have eighteen thousand dollars, twelve thousand of it's already taken. Like right. now I have to figure out, and then actually no, more like eighteen thousand with staff and stuff like that. So what do I have left? <clears throat> yeah. And I look at my I look at my orchestra and I'm like, okay, I need five musicians, and I will not pay them less than forty dollars a service. Mm-hmm. And how many services? Now, what's the max? What's the minimum services I can do? But with kids, I can't cut them down. I'm not going to cut them down. They need more time, and it's it's the way it is. So I'm like, okay, we've got ten services, <laughs> including like sits and a rehearsal and yeah. three days attack and four shows. We got ten services, and I want to pay them forty dollars an hour. So it's going to be four hundred dollars. Yeah. And I, how many four hundred dollars can I put in the pit? I don't pay myself, so I have, you know, I if I have, I can do five musicians. Yay! I have, you know, then I've got to find two thousand. Right. <laughs> and thankfully, I have it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is, it's a whole balancing act. So I want to pay them more. I want to pay, you know, I've in this area we're talking about uh, scale. People from zero to, you know, I I've paid from in my circles i've paid 110 a service is the max that i've ever had ever paid anybody but um it ranges even in the same place it can range from 50 to 110 yeah a service depending on the show and the time of year and whatever um but it is the budget there's nothing right and because i know when i look at it and say i don't have money for sound equipment (laughs) so um do i Buy the sound. Do I do I rent the sound equipment and not pay the musicians, which I'm not going to do um, because that's important to me. So I put the money into the sound into the uh, orchestra budget. Yeah, and find the grant for the sound. Right. So that's or, or go find a donation. Like go and but I but the orchestra to me is sacred, and I'm like I will pay them. And if I have to go back to my my friends and my and the students and say. I can only do 35 this, this, this time, mm-hmm. but next time I'm going to, you know, my, the next show I have that, that pays more money, you're first on my list, you know? So it, it, it's a difficult position because I know that if I, if I were to pay them what I feel like they're worth, we would have, we wouldn't have a show. I, right. I, all, you know, I wouldn't have a place. We'd be doing it on zoom. That's right. Which is hard. So what? Uh, so you're working on Footloose. What's your What's your pit for Footloose? Um, my pit for Footloose right now. I have all students. I think I'm waiting. I'm looking for a guitarist, but mm-hmm. uh, I have a lot of kids that are like, "Oh, my friend plays guitar," and I'm like, "Okay." And then my uh, assistant music director came to me yesterday and said, "I play guitar," and I'm like, "You play guitar?" And he goes. I do. I play guitar. And I said, all right, well, if I give you the score to look at, can you tell me if you can play guitar? And he was, and she, she, she was like, sure, send it to me. I can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's leadership. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay her because she's part of the leadership team. Like right. I, I can't, I can't pay the team. So, um, so that saves me, <laughs> saves me one musician, but we'll see. And she wants the job so bad. So, um, 
I'm hoping, fingers crossed. But I right. do have I have my Reed Doubler, the same kid from um, I just did Urine Town, and he's the same kid from there. He's a he'll be a, a senior this year. Um, I have a, a drummer who's also a senior. Mm-hmm. Plays professional theater in the area already, so he's that's easy. Like right, and he happened he happens to be dating the music director, so that's even better. So there. <laughs> So that yeah. was easy to get. Um, drum, so drums, reeds. Uh, my bass player is a uh, somebody who who I've been working with since he was in high school, uh, but he's out of college now. He graduated with a music degree. There's somebody with a music degree. There you go. Right. Uh, he plays. I don't know. He he played a show for me where he played twelve different instruments. So, hmm. but his his main instrument is bass. So he's playing bass. I'm on the keys, and I have a second keyboardist who is a. So that's five. Um, no, six. Um, I have a second keyboardist who is who I just played a show with, and he just graduated high school. Um, is at co- is at a local college and was excited about coming back. I trained him how to use main stage, so mm. I told him I'm like I have my computer, I have my main stage set up. I'm gonna you know buy the I'm sponsoring the the cost of the of the program um, of programming because a friend one of my friends does it, and so uh, I'm paying for that. But we're gonna put that in so so keys one keys two i don't pay myself so keys one keys two bass redoubler drums and it'll be a guitarist so six Hmm. Um, and out of those i'm not i don't pay myself for that for that and um and i won't pay the guitarist if it's my if it's the person already in the company so i'm paying for four right (laughs) Which is good. So um, my budget is is two thousand, but I'm hoping um, if I only have four, then I will take the. I, I, I would pay them more, but I really I've skimped on everything else that I'm like I can take the extra four hundred and put it into someplace else, like put it into sound, which if we don't get the grant is going to be important to do. So because right. um, we don't have microphones, but right. we need but we need them. So. Uh, yeah, so it'll be six people in the pit, four will be paid, and I, you know, it's it's important. I I I feel like in teaching these kids the value of their musicianship. Yeah, it's the value of their skill, and so I and and honestly, I I'll tell you one more thing. With that is, uh, is several years back, I got blasted on Facebook mm. for mentioning in the in that group, I believe. Um, for mentioning that I hire high school students and pay them hmm. um, because professional musicians who I work with, who are extremely valuable and extremely talented, were saying that that's not fair to say that high school students are at their level. And I'm like, I did not say they were at your level. Right. <laughs> but the idea was that they're capable of playing for a show yeah. At the level that I expect of, of the expectation, they're not going to be as good as someone who's taken years and years and years of training and has tons and tons of equipment and is and is, you know, extremely talented. And I mm-hmm. and I admire and respect that level of professionalism. I think it's when you make your whole life, you know, into music and you deserve to be paid for mm-hmm. all of the money you put in and all of the time. And um, but when it comes down to it, if I if I can afford you, great. That's awesome. But right. if I can't afford you, I can pull in a high school musician who can do well enough. Yeah. Um, nice. and that's and I and I like giving those opportunities when I can. Right. I feel like it because if you take that musician, that student musician who is like, Yeah, I don't know, what am I gonna do with this? And you say, Here's a pit job, you're gonna get paid for it. You get to play music for two weeks. And it's awesome. And you're going to, and make, you know, making music with people is just the best, right? It's right. It's the best. Um, they get that experience and they go, I want to do more of this. Where can I get training? Where can I go? And um, you've just fueled that flame. And to me, that that's, that's important too, is I, I want to give work to the people that are professionals. Right. And, them, and keep them, keep them going and what they what their passion is and build up the ones that are just starting out so that they can continue so it's a 
it's my personal perspective. To, well, to I do think that. I think it's a wonderful <laughs> situation, and it's also just very educational and enlightening, and just you know, understanding what goes into a show, especially when you don't have an unlimited budget, and just the experiences that you're giving the high school kids. And um, so, I guess uh, you know, just we just have a few minutes left. Uh, one question I did want to ask about. In regards to education, you've done um, a Broadway teacher's workshop. It, looked, mm-hmm. it looks like five different years. You've studied with people like Tom Kitt, Josh Rhodes, uh, David Loud, Kim Grigsby, and others. And just what kind, what kind of things go on there, and what have, what have you really taken from those workshops? Oh, my gosh. That, that workshop um, is run by um, Pam Parasell and Gordon Greenberg, who are big, in the, big, music name, big theater names and music names up in New York. Uh, and they started this workshop and it was the first time that I was like, I want to go to this. It was, mm. it's a three day workshop and um, they have it every year. It's still going. I haven't been able to go the last couple of years. They had it virtually. I, w- I went to the virtual one, but what what's great about it is they bring in, they have connections with all kinds of people. And so they bring in people, guest artists, or they, they bring in people to come talk about their, their experiences and how they got to where they were, what they what their passions are, what they want to do next, mm-hmm. um, where they came from, and the teach the people that that sign up are a lot of they're they're drama teachers and music directors and um, in in youth theater for the most part, and so they come we come all over the world, which is so cool getting to meet all these people. I, that's my favorite part. I think is meeting people from like Australia and and India and China and. And all over the United States um, that are doing the same kind of thing I'm doing, where I'm working with youth theater. So we talk about budgets and you know all these all these other things and problems that arise in in schools and and youth theater. But um, they bring in these professionals that come in to talk to the teachers about like here are some of the things that this is this is where I started. I started my drama teacher you know recommended me for this program or whatever, and then I auditioned for Broadway and. Um, but some of the things they, they, they talk about that, about how people got into things, but they also talk, they also have guests that come in and talk about the, how music is created and how, um, just from the very basics of, of how to create props or how to create costumes on a budget or things like that, which are really helpful for teachers. But my favorite parts, I guess, are learning from the, learning from people like, like Tom Kitt and Josh Rhodes and, and Kim Grigsby and, and them, they Pam and Gordon bring these people in um, to kind of offer some, there's, there's a lot of different things, but for the most part, my, my favorite part is when they talk about um, the, the, how they create what they do, what, what goes into the creation of their work. And I, Josh Rhodes, I remember talked about, and oh, and as part of the workshop, you go see four, performances mm. for, for shows. So one of the years I went, I got to see Cinderella, which was incredible. And Josh Rhodes had done the, the choreography and he described, he, he led a choreography class. So people, we all got to dance some of the dances from Cinderella, right. which, but one of the things he talked about with creating choreography was how it, it tells the story. And I never thought about it that way. I was like, it's a dance, right? They're dancing. This is yeah. dance. Um, but from a professional choreographer's standpoint, he was like, it tells the story. And so he was talking about how um, how Cinderella and the prince were on opposite sides of the stage, you know, and they start to make their way toward each other. Kind of like West Side Story kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he had circles going on the stage. And so he asked about, like, we had seen the show. And he's like, so what do you think about the circles? And we're like, oh, they're so beautiful. The circles of people dancing. And he says, did you notice how... Like Cinderella and the prince both got caught in the cogs of the circles and they circled together. And mm. that was like, oh, how cool is that? Like, right. it was part of the story. So, um, and Tom Kitt talking about creating music at the time, I think he was um, creating SpongeBob and it was a secret, like, couldn't talk about what show it was, whatever. But I think that's what had happened at the time. And uh, he was talking about creating the layers of music and just mm. like starting out with this theme and then adding this theme on top because it means this and um and then adding another thing and until you get this multi-layered complex composition that every part of it right meant something um and why he put thing why he puts certain songs into cer- certain themes into certain instruments and mm. um how they 
how they related to character. And so it became, you know, for the for the drama teachers, it was like, oh, that's very cool, right? But for me as a musician, I went, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Wow. <laughs> you know? So um, the works, so they've done a lot of really cool, cool things. I, they, you know, they allow you to be part of the, they, they some of them, I think there was a, there was a conducting workshop. There was, um, right. um, and the only other thing I remember was working with the, the woman who was in charge of the, uh, the student, the, the kids in Matilda, who's the music director for the kids in right. Matilda. And my favorite takeaway from her was she talked about how she taught them, uh, she, she would teach the kids happy birthday mm-hmm. as an audition song. And I'm like, I use it all the time. Happy birthday. When kids, people don't bring music, right? Just sing happy birthday. And she's like, no, she used it to show emotion. Mm-hmm. So she was like, the kids would come in, have these prepared songs. Great. And then she'd say, sing happy birthday. Mm-hmm. And they'd say happy birthday. But she's like, I want you to sing it in, um, you know, when you're as, as an angry person. I want you to sing it. And then she would change the key or change the tempo or change it to mm-hmm. a minor key. Right. Um, as she did that, she could get a lot more from their voices. So those are the types of things I took, I take away from these people that are coming in that mm-hmm. it's not just the, how did you get here? What was your, you know, what was your avenue to stardom kind of thing, mm-hmm. but more about the, the art and that. Right. Um, so that's what I've taken away from them I, and, and met tons of friends and, Learned about theater in the Midwest, and, nice. um, you know, and in areas that are very different than mine. So very cool. Very cool group. Nice. They do, they do it every every summer. Well, uh, there is uh, so much more that we could talk about, but uh, I think we're going to we're going to end the conversation here. Um, where can people, you know, follow you if you'd like to share that? And definitely where can they find out more about your projects like the free theater and so forth? Where can people follow that information? Um, for me personally, I don't have a website because I, I I just I work I get word of mouth. I never created a website for myself. Um, it's constantly changing. Uh, but I do I I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, but uh, but through free theater, there's a lot a lot of my projects are there right now. I'm doing a lot of um, high school theater right now and some community stuff. So, uh, but for free theater, it's um, www.freetheater.thefreetheater.org. Um, theater with an re right okay so, Great. <laughs> um, so there's that and then uh and we're also on instagram as the free theater that's where you can follow what's mainly happening in my life right now okay uh, but otherwise i also have a group called marcy's list m-a-r-c-i apostrophe s list right which helps which is helping people connect with other um, theater and music professionals. Um, I, I list gigs on there. I, I get a lot of gigs thrown at me and like need need to be filled and I can't do them all. And so I have people that people are posting on it. I'm posting on it. It's about 200 people on it right now, which is great. I just started it a couple months ago, right. but it was a place that I, when someone says, Hey, do you know any musicians? And I'm like, give me the info and I'll put it on rather than calling all of my friends, you know? And this is um, mostly for the Maryland DC area. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's pretty much Maryland, D.C. If it's something else, I usually post it on my regular Facebook page and just say, hey, hey, New York friends or Philly right. friends or whatever. Um, but the area ones, it's, it's mostly the you know, D.C. metro area for um, musicians, theater things, all kinds of all kinds of, uh, of um, te- you know, I, I guess it's like education, theater, music. Right. Um, opportunities and hopefully i'm matching people up i'm making sure that everything gets put in there so they can contact immediately and and make it work right so okay uh well that sounds great uh so thank you for thank you for taking time to chat with me today sure thanks for asking i always love talking about what i do and that wraps up episode 74 and I just also want to thank our sponsor, Fonz, which is a billing and scheduling platform that I have been using for several months and am really getting quite a bit out of it. I find it very helpful for my teaching business, and it's something that you can you can use even if it's for martial arts or for yoga or for anything that's you meeting up with a client where you can control the rate and you can control the policies. Uh, There's a link for you to get a free trial in the show notes, and I would definitely highly encourage you to do that if that suits your business model. And 
Um, we will be back in a couple of weeks with episode 75, so watch out for information about that. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter and Facebook at David M. Lane Music. And as always, a special thanks to Mark Perello for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can find out more about this podcast or leave feedback at lifeinthepitpod.com. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And please share with your friends. Thank you for listening.